Yes, yes. Why not Monday? I'll tell you in a minute. But thanks for joining me, Bruce Hooley, here on the We Tackle Life podcast in the aftermath of the first and second round of the NCAA tournament. I know technically the first four now are referred to as the first round, just to keep it simple. If I'd have said after the third round of the NCAA tournament, you'd have been confused. I would have probably lost track of that later in the podcast. So to me, it's the opening weekend of the tournament, and we have one Big Ten team left. And it's the wrong one, the one I would most wish to be out. Although I was happy to see Iowa go out yesterday. Buckeyes are not in it, of course. We've covered that. We'll go back into it a little bit more today. But thank you for joining me. I appreciate it very much. Uh, first, a reminder, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, the official coffee of the We Tackle Life podcast, and a great place for you to get awesome coffee and support an awesome ministry around the world. Nicaragua, Thailand, Ethiopia, other countries, impoverished countries, places where the gospel is flourishing because of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Because Hemisphere Coffee Roasters owners, Paul and Grace, were in the missionary field, and they realized, you know, if we do everything for everybody, it just deteriorates over time. But if we plug into the local economies by buying coffee, then that money circulates throughout the local economy. Everybody gets a better feeling of accomplishment, and it sustains what we're trying to do in these communities. And they plant churches as well with some of that money. So it's really an awesome ministry. And by the way, I buried the lead. The coffee's great too. So you should buy Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee for a multiplicity of reasons. The ministry, the people, the cause, and the discount. 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. 15% off. Promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. House Blend, Hunter's Blend, many different flavors, including their newest bourbon barrel-aged coffee. All right, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, phenomenal people. So let's get into the NCAA tournament and why the Big Ten did not do very well. We'll get into the Indiana coaching search. Minnesota's found a coach. Penn State's found a coach. And Ohio State and the transfer portal are going to be, uh, and better be, uh, simpatico this offseason because I believe the solution to what the Buckeyes lack is available to them in the transfer portal, and they'll be fighting a couple other Big Ten teams for it. So we'll see how uh, we go. Start with the Big Ten. Is the Big Ten overrated? No. In my opinion, no. Big Ten's not overrated. The NCAA tournament is a different season than the regular season. It is a an, a tournament full of matchups, affected by a lot of things that don't apply in the regular season. Quick turnarounds, extended scouting for one game. That's the case in the first round. The second round, it's a quick turnaround. So there are a lot of factors at play. But I do believe that what played big in Ohio State's departure from the tournament also played big in all but one Big Ten team's elimination so far, and that is the accumulated fatigue of a regular season. I know a lot of you are going, oh, they play round robins in other leagues. There's no league out there other than maybe the ACC where night in and night out it's as hard to win as it is in the Big Ten. And that takes a lot out of you. And so when you see teams get into the tournament and get bounced from the tournament, given what their seed is and what their opponent's seed is, you know, it can be a lot of things. It could be you got out coached, which that was definitely the case with Illinois and Loyola of Chicago. Uh, it can be that you got a super bad matchup, which was the case with Iowa and Oregon. And it can be the case that you're tired and you have somebody injured and you get a bad matchup, which is Ohio State and Oral Roberts. 
And then other games are just like, you got a team that's even, and they beat you. That's UCLA, Michigan State. Uh, that's Maryland and whoever beat Maryland. Arkansas, maybe. I don't remember who beat Maryland last night. But Maryland wasn't going to win that game, um, most likely. So is it something that's fixable? Eh, yeah, maybe. If you want to do what the SEC does in football, instead of sprinting to the finish, stacking your schedule at the end with Ohio State against Michigan, Illinois, and Iowa and Michigan State, back your schedule down. But you gotta have you got to have dance partners to dance, right? So if the Big Ten would say, hey, we're going to conclude our regular season earlier and give you a chance to play a couple patsies at the end of the regular season so you can tune up for the NCAA tournament, I mean, that's one drastic, that's a drastic, drastic departure, okay? Let's say the Big Ten decided that they were going to play, instead of playing their conference tournament on the final weekend of the regular season, the final weekend before the NCAA tournament draw. Let's say they played it like way ahead. Like, let's say they did. Some leagues do, right? The Summit League played their tournament way early. You see leagues that conclude their tournament on Monday and Tuesday of quote-unquote championship week. What if the Big Ten kicked off championship week? What if the Big Ten was inventive enough to go to the TV powers and say, hey, instead of playing our tournament on the 10th of March, we want to play our tournament on the 1st of March. And then that final week, if teams want to tune up against a patsy or take the entire week off or whatever to get rested, then we're going to let them do that. That's a way to attack the issue if you want to do it. The Big Ten's got plenty of time. Never used to play a Big Ten game before January 1. Never. Now they play some in December. I think there's even been years when they played a league game in November. Why don't you move some of those league games to November and December? And then instead of in the middle of the Big Ten season, play three league games in seven days or three in eight days, don't ever do that. Don't ever tire your best teams out. You're asking me for solutions. I'm offering solutions, drastic solutions. If your goal is to have everybody fresh for the NCAA tournament, it is possible to have a round robin and a tournament and still be fresh for the postseason. Now, if you're playing your tournament on March the 1st, that next week to line up a non-league game is going to be hard because everybody else is in a league, right? And they're probably playing their tournament. So, but maybe if you are what you say you are, which is, oh, we're the Big Ten. We set the tone. Other people follow us. Remember, cancel the football season. Everybody's going to follow. Oh, whoops. But if the Big Ten did that, Maybe you'd get some other teams to do that. Maybe you'd get some other leagues to do that, rather. And they'd play their tournaments earlier. There's no, there's no line that says when you have to play your league tournament. You got a whole month and a half of basketball to start your league schedule earlier rather than cram it all into January, February, and the first weekend of March. So that's one solution I would offer. And by the way, if you did that, then you'd have more time for a Kyle Young who gets concussed in the Big Ten tournament. Second concussion. Second concussion with no look at the monitor to see if it was a flagrant foul. Just thought I'd mention that again for like the 50th time. Uh, then you'd have time for injured guys to heal and be ready for the NCAA tournament. Because here's the thing. Nobody will ever make me believe 
Oral Roberts wins that game over Ohio State if Kyle Young plays. Is Kyle Young like a 20-point scorer? No, not typically. But here's what Ohio State could not do against Oral Roberts without Kyle Young. They could not put E.J. Liddell on one side of the low block, Kyle Young on the other. And what Kyle Young does really well is chase offensive rebounds, catch in quick trigger situations under the basket, and pass in quick trigger situations under the basket. They didn't get a lot of the easy stuff at the rim that Ohio State normally gets when Kyle Young's on the floor. And so, how many times did you see Oral Roberts collapse around E.J. Liddell like he was, um, you know, a uh, piece of pie at a picnic and the ORU players were ants all over him? A ton. You can't do that if Kyle Young's in there. You can't. Because E.J. will find Kyle Young or Kyle Young will find E.J. And they couldn't handle either one of them one-on-one in the post, and that would have made a difference in that game enough to win the game. Now, would they have beaten Florida? I don't know. I like to think so because ORU did. Okay, so that's my solution for the Big Ten. Let me go through some of the upsets in the Big Ten. As I said, Illinois got Brad Underwood at Illinois. You know, I heard all about Brad Underwood when he came from Oklahoma State. Oh, this guy, he's a bulldog. He's going to win big at Illinois. He's got access to all the great recruits at Illinois, and he does. He's got a great – man, his team's loaded. Loaded. I didn't get the fuss over Curbelo when I saw him the first time when Ohio State played at Champaign. He's nice. He's nifty, man. They got – Obviously, Io Desumu, they got Kofi Coburn, they got Frazier, they got Miller, they got they got talent. Georgie, they got Borat, who I call Georgie Borat because he looks like and talks like and acts like a fool like Borat. Um, they got talent out to Wazoo. And Loyola was like, okay, like, yeah, well, we're kind of unique. And we got a little point guard from, uh, you know, Hilliard that nobody wanted. And he's good. And we got a big center that didn't fit the athletic profile of big guys around the country. We'll just let him control the ball and pass, and we'll run back doors on you, and we'll hit open threes. And I mean, that was a clinic. What Loyola Chicago did to Illinois was a clinic, and that's on a quick turnaround. So Illinois had no hope of guarding them, man. And it was fun to watch because I'm not a big Illinois uh, lover. I'm not an Illinois hater either, but that was just like, that was fun College basketball to watch. Illinois old school. Illinois Chicago's old school. It, it like looked like Norman Dale uh, dressing down, you know, uh, South Bend Central in the in the in the Hoosiers championship game. So kudos to Loyola Chicago. Is anybody ever going to tr- be able to hire Porter Mosier away from Illinois Chicago? Like if you're Indiana and you see Porter Mosier do that, don't you go, holy cow, this guy's perfect for us? But I don't see Porter Mosier's name attached to Indiana. Uh, I see a lot of names attached to Indiana, which brings me to the most interesting to Ohio State fans name attached to Indiana, and that is former Buckeye coach Thad Mata. Before I tell you all about Thad in Indiana, let me tell you all about my friends at Willis Spangler Starling, my law firm of choice. Had breakfast with uh, one of the partners, Mr. Willis, today. Awesome guy. Uh, Wonderful man. Wonderful dad. I like doing business with good people. I say that all the time. I do. It cannot be overstated. I don't ever now at this point in my career take money to represent a knucklehead and I never will and I'll never steer you wrong if I tell you somebody's good trust me they're good they're great at Will Spangler Starling and their humility is the reason they're great because they understand like okay laws are thing great we geek out on the law a lot of people don't understand it this is a way we can serve others 
This is a way we can serve others. So you want people who are humble but gifted, humble but gifted, and that's what you get with the attorneys at Willis Spangler Starling. So if you have a workers' comp issue, wills estate planning, personal injury, employment law situation, they'll they'll be fine. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast. They'll be fine to give you a free consultation. Uh, they do take some of their cases on flat fee and contingency. If you want to know up front, like, how much is this going to cost me? Or can I pay with a portion of uh, what results from this? They'll be able to counsel you through that. So Willis Spangler Starling is a firm name you need to remember for the time when you need an attorney. WillisAttorneys.com. W-I-L-L-I-S, attorneys, A-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y-S, WillisAttorneys.com. Okay, so Thad Mott is on the list at Indiana, and I just uh, am surprised at that because I just figured Indiana would fancy itself to have a big-time job. I know there are people who say it's a top-five job. Doug Gottlieb says that. It's not a top-five job. It's probably a top-25 job. I think there are probably four or five really top jobs. And then there's like 30 jobs that you can win a national championship at. Because, you know, you get guys making three, four million dollars at like Chris Beard at Texas Tech. Would you think Texas Tech's a top five job? Well, it pays really well. You've got a lot of players in Texas. So Chris Beard doesn't have to take the Indiana job to win a national championship. He played in the national title game a couple years ago. So Chris Beard's on the list at Indiana. Some other names that I've heard, John Beeline, that's the name I said in the beginning was would be like the name that I fear. Thad to Indiana. There's a report out that's since been, you know, how this works. Hey, I got a scoop. No, your scoop is wrong. You know, Thad Mata had taken the Indiana job and failed a physical. I don't have any knowledge of whether that's true or not. Would it surprise me? No. Wouldn't surprise me if they hired Thad because Thad's a great guy. Awesome record. Best coach Ohio State's ever had. But... Would it surprise me if they did hire him and he failed a physical? No, because the last time I was around Thad, he was broken physically. Would it surprise me if he's healthy enough to coach now? Not at all, because he's a he's a great uh, guy who would attack rehab and could be rejuvenated by four years away from the sport. And wouldn't surprise me if he's hungering to get back in at age 53. Do I think he'd do a good job at Indiana? Yeah, I think he'd do a fine job at Indiana. Would uh, I be... Would I fear Thad? Um, he's good. Uh, would I think that, okay, we're never beating Indiana again? No, I think that'd be a good matchup. Holtman and uh, Thad would be a good matchup. Be a good matchup on the recruiting trail. Um, in order of, like, who would I like to see get the job? Because I don't like Indiana and I don't want him to be any good. Well, the guy I'd love to see get the job is Dane Fife because I could get all in on rooting against him. I uh, don't think he'll get it. He's too young of a coach. Uh, what about Steve Alford? Yeah, Alford would do okay. I think Thad would do better than Alford. Um, and I'd be happy for Thad. I'd have to balance my hatred of Indiana against my love for Thad and what Thad did for Ohio State basketball. Because make no mistake, Ohio State basketball is not the kind of a job that can win a national championship without Thad Mata. So I can't forget that. And I can't. Would I ever root for Indiana because Thad is there? No, of course not. I'll never root for Indiana. I made a joke to somebody on uh, a private message the other day. They said, what are you going to do? You love Thad. What are you going to do if Thad takes the Indiana job? And I said, I'd hate Indiana if my brother coached at Indiana. And I honestly really think I would. <laughs> I love my brother, but I don't think I could uh, root for him in Indiana. My brother never do that, by the way. Uh, anyway, uh, Thad to Indiana, 
mm, he'd get a bump initially, and then it'd be on him to build from the bump. That's what I think would happen. He got a bump at Ohio State. It was on him to build on the bump, and he built on it. Uh, I think his physical condition will will always work against Thad because I remember what Thad was like when he came to Ohio State, and when he left Ohio State, he wasn't the same guy because his body wouldn't allow him to be the same guy. So I, I, I'd be glad for Thad if he got the Indiana job. Um, and so I, I, I will never dislike Thad Mata. But you know how, like, let's say your daughter or son marries somebody you don't like or you don't like the in-laws, but you still like, you know, you still love your daughter and son, right? That's how I'd be if Thad got the Indiana job. Uh, couldn't root for Indiana, but I'd be glad for Thad. So that's where I'm at. Do I think they'll hire him? No, I don't. Uh, who do I think they'll hire? I think Chris Beard from Texas Tech and John Beeline. I think it'll come down to, I think those guys will have the opportunity to turn the job down. Let's put it that way. And I'm just going off the top of my head on who's a really great coach. Like, I don't understand why they're not after Porter Mosier. I don't think Indiana could bring itself to hire Rick Pitino. Uh, that wouldn't scare me if they did. Because uh, I'd actually look forward to the day that they'd be on probation because I'm absolutely certain they would be with Patino there. Um, who else? Who else? Uh, can't really tell you who else because um, I just think Beard and Beeline make too much sense. And maybe the Indiana people can screw it up. I sure hope they do. But here's the thing about Indiana. We were talking about this at the Ohio uh, Boys State High School Basketball Tournament this past weekend in Dayton, which I'll talk about here in a moment. Um, when you've hired... Kelvin Sampson, Tom Crean, and Archie Miller, and you haven't won, it's a you problem. It's not an Indiana problem. I mean, it's not a, it's not a coach problem. It's a you problem. You got a problem. Somewhere there's a problem. And the problem is you believe it's still 1976. It is not 1976. It is 2021. And you're not going to go 31-0. and 0 like the Candy Pants Hoosiers under Bob Knight did. Not going to happen. And so you keep putting that kind of pressure on the guy. Eventually, that manifests itself in dysfunction in your program. And you're going to lose. And you're going to lose good coaches. And you're going to drive good coaches away. And so that's where we are with Indiana. So I don't wish that on Thad. That's the one reason I hope Thad doesn't get the job is because I don't want Thad to be subjected to those Indiana fan knuckleheads, and there are tons of them. Okay, uh, Michigan last night beat LSU. They're the only team left in a tournament. I cannot stand Michigan basketball. I have the loathing for Michigan basketball that all the rest of you do for Michigan football. Michigan football doesn't bother me much because all the people at Michigan have been nice to me, and you know I've never seen them win a truly big game in my life, so they just they are what they are. Michigan basketball, however, wins way too many big games for my comfort, and now that Juwan Howard's there, I can't stand them even more than I normally can't stand them. So we'll see. Hopefully they get taken out soon. That'll be fine with me. Uh, as for other Big Ten coaching jobs, Minnesota has uh, fired Richard Patino, and they hired a guy named Ben Johnson. He's a Xavier assistant. Uh, he was on staff under Patino for five years. He played at Minnesota. We'll see if he gets a bump recruiting-wise out of coming home to coach Goldie the Gopher. Um, don't know anything about him. If he was at Xavier, Xavier hasn't exactly set the world on fire since um, Chris Mack left for Louisville. So 
I don't fear um, Ben Johnson at Minnesota. Micah Shrewsbury at Penn State, I think, is going to be a really good coach because he's got uh, Purdue ties, Matt Painter ties, and I think probably Gene Cady ties. Of course, if you coach for Painter, you got Gene Cady ties by uh, osmosis. He'll be a good coach, but I think he can only do so much at Penn State. And so I don't think either one of those teams should never, ever be a threat to Ohio State in terms of, I'm not saying you can never lose to them. I'm just saying in terms of them becoming a Big Ten power above Ohio State, that better not happen. Um, Now, why is the Penn State thing interesting? Because Penn State offers the perfect solution in Bruce Hooley's mind to what the Ohio State basketball Buckeyes lack. And that is always top of mind with me, is what do we need to do to be good enough to get to the Elite Eight in the Final Four? And that is find a center in the transfer portal. And Penn State has one available. You know him, the big strong dude in the center, John Harar. John Harar, who is uh, Mr. Offensive Rebound. And he's thick, and he's mobile, and he's pretty good offensively. And I believe with Ohio State's player development program and a year under Chris Holtman, I believe John Harar could become a perfect piece to the puzzle for Ohio State. Uh, I don't know where they are scholarship-wise because my guess is, I don't know if Harrison Hookfin leaves, if he had a scholarship and won't have one, C.J. Walker, Kyle Young, and let's say they have one more available, and then... You got three coming in. Of course, Michi's already here on scholarship. So you got Kyle Young leaving, and you got C.J. Walker leaving, and you got two more recruits coming in, and Kalen Etzler and uh, Malachi Branham from St. V. So I just know that these things have a way of working themselves out via transfer of somebody. Um, Ibrahima Diallo. Ibrahima maybe be better off at a uh, mid-major school. Uh, Justin Arns at Ohio State. Maybe Justin, I don't know where Justin's mind is. He loves Ohio State uh, with uh, Malachi Branham coming in. My guess is some of Justin's minutes may go to Malachi Branham. Uh, but Malachi Branham's not a three-point shooter. Don't be fooled by his 37 points in a state championship game against Columbus DeSales. Malachi Branham is a, uh, somebody asked me in Dayton about Malachi Branham. What do you think? What's his role on Ohio State next year? He's a two-guard or a wing. Okay, they got wings in Seth Towns and Justice Suing. He's not Malachi Branham's not that kind of player because he's way more athletic than Seth Towns, and he's way more athletic than Justice Suing. Malachi Branham's a slasher. Here's the comp I'd give you on Malachi Branham. Dennis Hobson before his senior year. Dennis Hobson, his senior year, became a three-point shooter. Malachi Branham's not that. But Malachi Branham has that long reach, wiry. Malachi Branham is tailor made for the old Gary Williams backcourt press. You put Hobson on the ball, out of bounds, big long wingspan, throw, make him throw it to the corners, and then trap the corner. Gary Williams won a national championship and won, I don't know how many games Gary win, 500, 600 with that press at Boston College, Ohio State, and Maryland. That press would be fantastic with Malachi Branham on the ball. Because he, that's what St. V did to get away from DeSales. DeSales had a 10 point lead, I think maybe an 11 point lead in the first half of that game. And then St. V started pressing them, and uh, DeSales didn't handle it. DeSales got sped up. 
the sales is really well coached. Wow, are they well coached. And I love Desmond Watson of DeSales. He's going to Davidson, and I'm going to tell all you Mac schools, you missed big on Des Watson. I don't know if you offered him. I don't know if you why you couldn't get him, but Des Watson, like we're hearing about the kid from Hilliard now at Loyola Chicago, you're going to see Des Watson in the NCAA tournament winning games for Davidson someday. He's a player, and I don't know if he could – I mean, I wouldn't – I wouldn't hate Ohio State having Des Watson. He's he's a player, man. How about Westerville Central? The Warhawks lost in the state D1 title game by one heartbreaking loss. Tassos Cook, Westerville Central, big-time player. Really good shooter, but Centerville played excellent defense and didn't give Tassos Cook very many looks and kept the ball out of his hands at the end of the game when Westerville Central had to go with uh, someone else. And taking the final shot. So uh, keep your eye on a sophomore point guard out of Centerville. Uh, Why can't I remember the young man's first name? His last name is Cup because he is the son of the Centerville head coach, Brooke Cups. Uh, Yeah, Cups is his name, and he's nice. He's a 6'2 sophomore, good hops, uh, heady guy, quintessential coach's kid. I know everybody will go, well, he's not athletic enough to play in the Big Ten. Hmm. Kid's a player, okay? Trust me on this. So, um, Ohio State, keep your eye on that kid, the Cups kid from Centerville, sophomore point guard, really nice. He's going to fill out, and he's going to be a sweet, sweet college prospect. All right, what about um, the rest of the weekend? Shout out to the Botkins Trojans for winning the first state championship school history in D4. That was a fun story to cover. It's really cool to be a part of a state championship story. Uh, for a small community like Botkins, because that's where, you know, that's my heart. That's what I'm, uh, that's my background. And I love that. Um, the kid from Lutheran East, Jalen Billingsley, who's going to Georgetown. He's a nice player. I don't care for his attitude on the court. He pouts a little bit too much for my case. Branham does not pout. Branham is, um, Branham is a guy who I think will respond well at Ohio State. He's not a one and done. I, I mean, if he's a one and done, I'll be stunned. He's going to really have to learn how to shoot better to be a one-and-done. But can Malachi Branham, would I say Malachi Branham's definitely going to start for Ohio State? No, wouldn't say that. Will he play big minutes? Yes, he will play big minutes. Uh, I, would not in, I would not envision, although Seth Towns is a different kind of a player, I would not envision by March next year that Seth Towns would get more minutes than Malachi Branham in the Ohio State lineup unless Malachi doesn't, you know, Learn the system, because Seth knows the system, and Seth plays heady, but Seth's got a long way to go physically to be uh, as athletic as I was told he could be when he was healthy. And I don't doubt that he can be, because people who saw him in high school saw him healthy. Then he went to Harvard and had multiple knee surgeries, and he's just not he's just not solid uh, physically right now. Okay, uh, what's left out there? Ohio State football is practicing in the spring. I've never been much of a spring football guy. I would think the sport would be fine without it, but Ohio State, of course, needs it this year to figure some things out on defense and to figure out who the quarterback is. That'll be what everybody has their minds on all spring. I saw a note yesterday, Ryan Day said, they're not going to do live reps with Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud, which that's that's an interesting way to approach it. I don't question Ryan Day because I think he's a really outstanding coach, and I understand why he wouldn't want to get somebody hurt, but that'll be a battle, um, and Kyle McCord will 
presumably be in that battle too, but I can't envision Ohio State starting a true freshman at quarterback. Um, as far as the Buckeyes, I'm not fully prepped on them yet, but as we get deeper into the spring, I'll get to know more about them. I'm still in kind of basketball mode. So, uh, in the faith portion of the podcast today, I, as you know, first of all, uh, open enrollment I checked last night is still open. Get your health insurance checkup done by my friends at auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. Chrissy and her staff do a phenomenal job, and uh, they're going to answer uh, all your questions about do I have the right plan? Am I paying too much? Could I get more for my money? Is the hospital I want in this plan? Are the benefits I need in this plan? If you're older, make sure you have ortho benefits. If you're younger, married, going to have children, make sure you got good uh, maternity benefits. AUI knows all that by the name of the plan and by how much you're paying and what kind of plan you have. And it's a free service, so please avail yourself of it and mention the uh, We Tackle Life podcast to Chrissy, Steve, Julie, and all the people at AUI when you chat with them on the web. Okay. Faith portion of the podcast. I do a radio show every uh, weekday on 98.9 The Answer in Columbus, and uh, it's a news talk show. It's not a sports show. And it's a Christian-owned company, and so I have the freedom to uh, incorporate faith matters and a Christian worldview with news events of the day. And uh, many times in the first, coming up on the six-month anniversary of that show, I would have friends ask me, hey, how's the show going? And I'd say, you know, I know what I don't want it to be, but I don't know what I want it to be. And sometimes it takes a while to figure out what you want it to be. And I want it to be um, inspiring. I want it to be intelligent. And I want it to be insightful. And I want people to see that there is the most value the best way to look at world events is through a faith prism. But I know not everybody listening to the show is a person who's given their faith to Christ. Some of them are just conservative Republicans who want to hear about political events, news events, cultural events through the conservative prism, which I'm conservative. Uh, and some of are, some are Democrats who can't stand a word I say, and that's okay too, because I, I really want more of those kinds of listeners, liberals, leftists, Democrats, who uh, I can expose to what I think is a better prism to view life through, and I want to understand their prism. So I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I do what I do? Well, I think the one thing that hopefully everybody has, uh, we don't have many things in our lives we agree on right now, but I think one thing that we hopefully agree on is that our kids are precious, our kids are our future. So I've started to prioritize things that involve students, young kids, t issues that touch that. And what I've found is that I've ha I'm having people gravitate to me who are parents who are concerned about the uh, direction academia is going at the high school level and the junior high level and even the elementary level with exposing ideas to kids that the parents don't agree with, don't like, and don't think are good for their kids. And so I'm trying to talk through those issues and be an advocate for parents and also trying to have a faith prism and also trying to um, keep in mind a verse my wife shared with me a while back, the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. What does that mean? That means that when Bruce gets angry about abortion or the border or 
this or that, mass shootings, whatever, when Bruce gets angry about policies he thinks that disadvantage people, single moms, inner city poverty, crime, that is not accomplishing God's mission, Bruce. Getting angry does not bring about the righteousness that God wants Bruce to have, and it's not going to inspire that in others. Guess what? When you yell at someone, they yell back. When you just talk to somebody in a normal voice, that's probably how they're going to talk to you back. So I really struggle with that. Anybody, any out there who know me know that I'm combative and I'm definitely positive about what I think. I, I mean, I'm, I'm certain of what I think and I don't have patience a lot of times when I need patience. So I'm trying to find like, Bruce, where's your sweet spot here for calling out things in a Christ-like way that you think are destructive for people? And yet being passionate to illustrate that, hey, this is destructive. You know, I think uh, transgenderism and um, I think that's destructive to kids. I think there are going to be a lot of kids who are hurt by that. Uh, I'm not condemning the kids. I'm condemning the adults who want to keep that a secret from parents. I'm condemning the uh, impact of abortion on a mom who has a baby that she uh, kills. And what's that like psychologically for her later on? I'm against the policies because I think they damage people and they drive people into what the devil likes to do to all of us, which is self-loathing. You know, to come to Christ, you have to believe that God loves you enough that he sent his son to die for you on the cross. And you have to believe that God sees you as worthy of a relationship with him because of what Jesus did. But if you hate yourself because, oh, I did this terrible thing in my past, or, oh, I totally screwed up my life by doing this or that, or I I did this horrible thing to someone else, or I said this horrible thing to someone else, the devil uses our self-loathing to, in our own mind, disqualify us from receiving God's love, from receiving God's atonement at the cross through Jesus Christ. The devil wants us to not think we're worthy. The devil wants us to not believe what Christ says about, yes, all men can come to me. Come to me, you you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A lot of people who are weary and heavy laden and burdened, they go, well, I no, you're not, you're not going to give me rest because who could love me? You don't know what I've done. So the devil tries to beat us up with that self-loathing. And I'm so committed to, no, no, that's a lie. That's a satanic lie. God loves everybody the same. He doesn't love Bruce now more than he did when Bruce was a disobedient idiot who didn't even try to be... Uh, loving and patient and kind and compassionate and all the things that I still don't have down perfectly. But I know God loves me and I know his son died for me. And so I don't beat myself up and I don't hate myself and think I'm not worthy of God's love. That's where I'm trying to get all of you. And so you have to know the truth of God's love for you to understand that, yeah, I am worthy of that. God says I am. He sent Jesus to die for me. And so, you know, the verse I can give you is, obviously, you know, if you you hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But I thought I've pounded that and pounded that and pounded that, and the people are getting tired of that. Lord, I need another verse. 
I need another way in your Gospels where you said to people, hey, this is what I say. Don't pay attention to what Satan says. This is what I say. So I'm reading the other day in Matthew 22, and I come upon this story where the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus with, you know, they always gave him these like mind-bending situations like, hey, what about this? Ah, We'll expose you as a fraud. So they come to Jesus with this question. Hey, rabbi, there's a guy and he's married and he dies and he didn't have any kids. And our law says that if if he has a brother, it's the brother's duty to his now dead brother to marry that woman and and to have children with her. And, you know, that's like a way he can pay tribute to his brother who used to be her husband but is now deceased. And they paint a fanciful scenario where this guy has six more brothers, seven guys, and they all, like, one after the other die, and they all, one after the other, marry her, and they all, one after the other, have no kids, okay? And so they're like, Jesus, okay, smart guy, in this situation, who's she married to in heaven? Because she was married to all seven She didn't have kids with any of them. Whose wife is she in heaven? And Jesus hits him right between the eyes. He responds, and this is the verse I want you to remember when you think you're not worthy. You are in error, Jesus said, because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. That same story and that same response is also in the Gospel of Mark in Mark 12. And that is the verse I want to leave with you today. And that is what I want you to remember when you are attacked with self-loathing and I'm not worthy and I can't believe I did that and God can't possibly love me because I did that or I made this huge mistake in my background or I did this to my wife or I said this to my kids or my dad said that to me or my mom said that to me and they're right. I am worthless. I'm not worthy. You remember Jesus saying to the Pharisees, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. So, do you know the scriptures? If you don't, I can't make it any clearer for you that the truth of God's love for you is in the Bible. I can sit here and I can explain it to you and I can hopefully reach you as you're in your car or taking a walk or however you listen to this podcast, and I'm enormously grateful that you do. I'm so grateful that you do. But some of it's on you. Some of it's on you. You've got to know your Bible. You've got to invest in your Bible. You've got to give it time. You've got to read it. You've got to study it. You have to know what's in the Scriptures to know the power of God. You just do. And so that's my call to you today. Don't be in error. Don't be somebody who doesn't know the scriptures. Don't be blind to the robust, all-encompassing, transformational power of God in your life. Don't be someone that when you face the God of the universe 
on the day, whenever it is in your life or whenever it is at the end of time that we're to be judged, don't have him say to you, you lived in error because you didn't know the scriptures or the power of God. Bruce Hooley explained it to you on March the 23rd, 2021. You heard it on other days. I was calling you. I was calling you then to give me a little bit of your time, that time you spend reading a sports page, that time you spend watching some show that you can't even know what's going on because your mind is somewhere else, but you're just vegging. If you'd invested in me, if you'd invested in knowing the scriptures, you would have known the power of God. You would have held to my teaching. You would have known the truth, and the truth would have set you free. That's what I have for you today. I'm so passionate about it. It has changed my life. It has changed my outlook. It, is, it hasn't perfected me. I'm a mess a lot. And, you know, while God doesn't want me to be a mess, he loves me even though I am a mess. And while he doesn't want you to be a mess, he loves you even though you are a mess if you've accepted Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection at the cross, his death as the atonement for your sins, and his rising to new life to tell you, get up, rise to a new life, be forgiven, experience that forgiveness, experience that love, learn about it in the scriptures, which convey to you the power of God. That's where I'm at today. That's what I share with you today. So get after it. You got a couple days before the tournament starts up again. You got no excuse, okay? You don't have to know all the ins and outs of who the backup cornerback is at spring practice. Spend that time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You won't believe the payoff you get from it. Thanks for your time. Send me an email. Let me know if this is helpful. All your emails really help me. They give me motivation to get out here and do this. <sighs> Support our sponsors, too. So. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.